Hey, good afternoon, everyone. It's after the gig. It's November 16th, 2023. It's unseasonably warm outside. It's an amazing day. So I'm going to try to wrap this up quick and then get outside maybe for a walk or something. But first, I want to thank everybody so much for the birthday wishes. Uh, my birthday was last weekend on the 10th. And I got so many great messages and I got wonderful gifts from the people up in Burlington, Vermont, and in um, and also in Portland, Maine. It was uh, it was really really nice. It was really really nice. I actually love playing uh, shows on my birthday. It's it's very very good. If you can be in a band and have hundreds of people sing you happy birthday, I highly recommend it because uh, you guys know how to make make a guy feel all warm and fuzzy. So anyway, today on the show. I have the great Andrew Gravel of the Gravel Project. Gravel Project is a rock and soul band based up in Boston. I uh, At one time, I would uh, cover and sit in for drummer Dave Fox, wonderful, fantastic drummer Dave Fox, uh, who has been on this program before. But these guys have been really crushing it, putting out great music. They have a live album that I'm going to feature. The name of the tune featured at the end of the show is No More Fire which is live at Wellspring Studios. That's the album. Came out in uh, this year. Came out this year. So go check that out. You can check out all their music on Spotify and uh, Apple Music, and you can buy it, all that good stuff. So support those guys. They're doing great work. Um, you will notice that this is an old interview. We're talking about dates that they're going to be playing in like July or June or something like that. Uh, when this came out, I mentioned it in my conversation with Andrew that we were moving at the time. So things are a little bit in limbo for me at this point when this interview was happening, there was a lot of packing. It's when I went on the hiatus, um, the summer hiatus from after the gig, because just the move and everything and all the things you have to do to, to pick up, pack up your life and bring it to a new place and unload and unpack and, and set things up and stuff. This happened right before that all happened. So I'm happy. And the same thing with last week's episode with Sarah Hagen and the week before that with Ryan Muir. So this is kind of the last of those previously recorded episodes. Um, and I'm so happy that I'm finally able to release these things. Um, and, uh, you know, get these conversations out there because they're fantastic. I love talking to these people. And uh, Andrew's been a friend of mine for a long time. He is a wonderful guitarist, a uh, wonderful person. And I love listening to them play. And uh, now that I'm here, I want to give you some current information about the Gravel Project. They have three shows coming up. I'm looking at their uh, their tour schedule. Actually, I'm going to click on full tour schedule to see if there's anything else coming up besides the things that are listed no so it's these three dates here and the gravel project will be in providence rhode island november 18th which is in a couple days that's this saturday so if you're in rhode island i'm probably going to be going to this show if you're in rhode island on saturday or you want to make the trip the gravel project will be playing november 18th this saturday at askew in providence and it says at 8 p.m i don't know if there's any openers or anything like that but as of right now, uh, it says 8 p.m. at a skew. November 22nd in Worcester, Massachusetts at Electric Haze. Again, that's 8 p.m. And December 31st, 
They have a New Year's show in Arlington, Mass. at uh, Menotomy. Hold on. Menotomy, Menotomy Grill and Tavern uh, at 9.30. So I would imagine that that's like an all-night thing, maybe a free show, maybe you got an RSVP. Go check that out if you're looking for something to do on New Year's Eve in uh, Arlington, Massachusetts. Speaking of New Year's Eve, I will be playing with Pat McGee um, this New Year's Eve at a really cool mansion in Bristol, Rhode Island. So check out patmcgee.com. It might be .net. Go check out Pat McGee on Facebook or something and see uh, what the deal is. That usually sells out pretty quick. It's very fancy, very swanky. Swanky? Swanky? Very, very fun. And uh, I'm looking forward to doing that again. This will be the second year in a row that I've done that. And uh, it's very, very fun. So if you're looking for New Year's Eve plans and you're in Rhode Island and you know, you're know you a Pat McGee fan, you're a Carbon Lee fan, whatever... Um, come on out, go get a ticket for that. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a really fun time. So other than that, I'm going to keep going here, guys. Um, we're going to get on with this episode, a couple more dates coming up for carbon leaf, December 1st, just got the master back for my new single chemical. It sounds fucking awesome. I am very, very excited for that. And I'm hoping to come up with a release date sometime today. Um, I want it, it's going to be December, December, early December sometime. So I'm going to try to get that out as soon as I can without, you know, leaving opportunities for getting on streaming, not streaming platforms, but getting on playlists and whatever. I want to, I want to make sure it has a chance to be heard by the most, by the most amount of people. And a great way to do that is when it comes out for you guys to share it and, and, uh, download it and, you know, buy it, whatever. But I've been rambling. I think I said I was going to get get a move on with this like three times so let's finally get a move on without further ado here's my conversation with the great andrew gravel Hey, there he is. How's it going? Great. How you doing? Good. Um, let's see here. Sounds pretty. Hey, there you are. Are you up in New Hampshire? I am. I just got up here, actually. Um, nice. I have noon, and then my dad lives up here, so we're seeing him for Father's Day tonight, and then real quick trip, just headed back first thing in the morning. I uh, got a gig down in Mass tomorrow, so. Oh, really? Yeah. Where Where are you guys playing? Uh, we're just doing our Sunday uh, residency thing at Revolution Hall. How long has that been going on for? I feel like it's been going on f- for a long time. Yeah, uh, better part of two and a half years or so. Wow, they must—they must really like you guys. <laughs> They've been good to us. Yeah, we've had that's, a lot of fun. That's great. Um, cool. Well, I won't take up too much of your time. Um, it's good to see you. I—I've uh, been seeing like so much stuff from you guys online it's been it's been really cool to see like how you guys and you in particular have um gone from like one level to making like it's just in an outside opinion making a conscious effort to like be like all right we're doing this thing for real we're we're putting money into videos we're going to do 
you know, we're putting out the albums. You're doing it all the right way is what I'm trying to say. Um, so yeah, I mean, do you have any, like, what, what do you, um, what do you have to say about that? (laughs) Basically, like, it's cool to see. I love it. I love everything that I've seen. Yeah. Um, I think I was just trying to be a little bit more thoughtful about the way, um, we released content, right? Because, um, it's sort of learning process. I mean, the, the first real recording that I ever did under the, the gravel project name was all the way back in, I want to say we released a self-titled album in 2014. And at that point it was just about getting music out there and, um, you know, sort of resources were limited in a way. So all, a lot of the, the money just really went to the actual recording and, you know, printing CDs at the time and, not as much thought went into actually how to get that music out there, right? And uh, to, to market it and just make people aware of it. Um, and I think after maybe doing things like, I don't want to say the wrong way, but maybe not in the most effective way. Um, I would never say the wrong way because it was always about prioritizing the music. It just wasn't um, wasn't being thoughtful enough and then getting music out there in ways that sort of resonate with people. Right. So I think when we recorded and released uh, our latest studio record, Many Miles Ahead, um, we were trying to be more patient in the way that we release things and uh, sort of more intentional. So we we released some singles leading up to the actual album release. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you said, there's some videos. So we, we put out some some really great videos. We worked with the videographer who's uh, did a great job for us. And that seemed to get a lot more traction. You know, people... Um, consume video um you know and it's also almost an expectation that there's going to be video content out there now right so i think that that went pretty well uh and drove sort of more awareness of the fact that there's a new record out yeah i think you're right i mean people it's easier for people to go on you know facebook or youtube and follow a link and be like oh i can just see it right here it's it's almost it's like it's the same amount of work it takes to just press play on an audio file or, or whatever on spotify but it's like they're getting so much more stuff when they get to see it and visualize it and actually see totally. like, you know, what it would be like. And hopefully it translates to, you know, ticket sales like you guys have been doing a, a few things at the Lizard Lounge, which I actually thought I didn't even realize was open again until I saw that you guys were playing there and that like Sonia was was playing there. Um, what have those shows been like? Yeah, they've been great. So, um, Lizard Lounge opened, I want to say September 30th, maybe last year. Uh, Um, we did a show there in November. Um, and it was great. I mean, people were just jacked up that the venue was open again. Such a cool spot with so much history in Cambridge. Right. So I love it. And especially some of the other venues in Cambridge, unfortunately are, are closing. So, um, yeah, I mean, we've actually sold out our last three shows at the Lizard Lounge. Um, and they've just been awesome. Um, a lot of great energy in the room and uh we've had a lot of fun making music and playing for for uh, great people so we got another show coming up there uh july 28th um and okay. dan rocket and the guilty party is going to be opening the night up for us we dan actually rocket that sounds familiar is he has he been a boston, a boston guy he was years ago and then he moved out to the west coast and oh, spent okay. And he's recently relocated back to Boston area. Okay, cool. That's interesting. Um, I'll have to. What's the name? Of, what's the name of that band? Sorry, sorry, I'm harping on this one because I, no. I literally, I it's know his, it's uh. So he calls it Dan Rocket in the Guilty Party. 
Dan Rocket and the Guilty Party. All right, I'm going to put this on my phone. And that's what date? That's July 28th. All right. Friday. Nice. The guilty Party. Sorry, I'll edit. The, I'm going to edit this part out. <laughs> um, nice. So what? how much time are you spending... Uh, up in uh new hampshire now because i know you have a place up there you have a place in cambridge or is you're in where where are you at where's your your uh mass spot yeah so we actually moved last year um so we're in winchester now actually winchester. so yep um nice. and ever since we moved there um we have not been spending nearly as much time up in new hampshire unfortunately but hoping to change that this summer you know how it is sometimes moving is just it's so consuming in so many ways and yeah also been really happy about the new place we actually uh purchased the house that we're living in in mass from uh two artists actually um oh, cool. and there was an art studio on the uh on the property which is now slowly getting turned into a music studio so we get this that's great awesome. new space to to play in that's so great man that's great yeah, my, wife, my wife and i just bought a house actually we're we're moving in, in two weeks so um right. yeah we're very very pumped it's a lot it's you know, been two years of of looking with this crazy market so we're finally um we've been in jamestown for jamestown rhode island uh south side of newport for a couple of years now and mm-hmm. it's it's been like you know been feeling very isolated down here um and now we're, we're moving a little further north now so we'll be closer to a little bit more of the action um and uh and all that stuff but yeah i hear you man moving is is brutal and i hope this is my last move for a very very long time (laughs) (laughs) yeah dude um it just seems to me like this has become like the gravel project has become even more of a priority for for you and the releases maybe it's just the way that you've been releasing music and stuff like that how it's it seems like the singles, all right, this is coming out, this is coming out. You've been you've been like very much staggering the releases to kind of be out there more consistently, which which is a re- which I think is is awesome. Um has the mentality behind the band and then the priority of it changed at all for you? Um or is or are things relatively the same? Um, I mean I think our our priority is similar to the way it's always been in, in terms of trying to create the best music possible and enjoying making music um, and the people that, that I'm making it with, right? So that part has never changed. I think um, what we are trying to do now is is probably put more thought and emphasis on how to reach a wider audience with our music. Yeah. I think when you're talking about sort of, you know, the way that we've gone about releasing content, um, sort of like the, the cornerstone of that whole strategy has been, you know, what, what can we do to sort of maximize, you know, the effectiveness of this whole thing? Like, how do we get more people to see these videos? You know, how often do we put things out? You know, how do we use social media to our benefit? There's a lot of things to consider. What about like live performances and stuff? Like, have you guys um, looked to branch out like outside of the New England area, get out there and maybe, you know, try some a little bit of touring? I mean, I think I think you guys would be great in a lot of, a lot of different spots around the country you guys would crush it um so we have done a little bit of branching yeah we played our first show in new york city um oh that's right at the at rockwood yeah we, we went down to rockwood and um 
It actually went, uh, I, I, I will admit it, it certainly went better than I expected it to. You know, it was, it's always sort of a risk, you know, going into a new market for the first time and um, not really having, you know, the best handle on what to expect. But, um, you know, the room felt really good. There were a lot of people there that we didn't know. Um, it's a great were sounding room. Yeah, we had a great performance. So um, looking forward to doing that again. Um, and then, you know, in terms of touring outside of, uh sort of the new England territory, which is where we usually play. Um, you know, it's definitely something we thought about. Um, we, we almost got a, uh, an opening slot for, a uh, a band that was really big in the nineties actually. Um, and they, they sort of offered us a, a, a spot on their, their spring tour, which oh. included a number of dates out in the Midwest as well. And down South. And it was just, it was just, a little too much for what we were ready for. I mean, we just didn't have the resources lined up for it. So we tried to sort of negotiate back and see if we could just do the Eastern run, um, which would have been Virginia up to Maine. And unfortunately they didn't go for that. They said that they wanted the same band, you know, for the whole tour. Mm. But, um, you know, that was sort of eye opening in a way like, wow. Okay. So, I mean, how quickly did that just almost happen? Right. We, we, yeah. So it made us think about, you know, well, this will probably happen again at some point. We got to be ready next time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, honestly, anything's possible if you have the if you have the product out there and the material, and you guys are like, you know, playing shows that you guys are crushing in front of audiences. You know, it. There's really no reason why you shouldn't shouldn't be you know be getting asked to do those types of things. Uh, you know, pretty often. I mean, it's 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 music that everyone can kind of get behind and, and it's danceable. It's fun. Um, so, I mean, I don't see why that wouldn't, wouldn't happen again. I, can you say who, what tour it was or, or that? Yeah, yeah. It was a uh, blues traveler. Oh yeah. That's awesome. We, uh, carbon leaf did, did a bunch of opening dates for blues traveler back in the day. Oh, cool. Yeah. I, I wasn't there, but those are, those are, what I hear all the time, I hear about those days with Blues Traveler, and those were those were great guys. So, hopefully, yeah. some other time, some other time, they they'd ask you back. I'm surprised that they didn't let you do just the, the East Coast things, but you know, who knows? Yeah. They have their reasons, right? They ended up going for one artist who who did the whole thing. So, gotcha. Probably want didn't want to deal with like you know different logistics for different stages or whatever. How what was the the experience like for you guys at Rockwood? Did did Jordan play a pared down setup or did you guys bring your whole rig rig into that situation? Cause a lot of people don't realize that Rockwood has a band kind of every hour. I think they start at six o'clock and they end at, you know, one or two in the morning and then they, the crowd just leaves and comes back and, and, you know, kind of filters out after every band. So it's a little bit difficult to actually get your, real footprint or it's very quick it's very throw and go whenever uh whenever people play rockwood stage two like what was that experience like for you guys especially playing your first gig in new york city yeah no it was challenging for sure um that's a great point i mean so we all basically brought our own gear i mean they had a house drum kit which made it easier on dave yeah. but you know our percussionist eggy castrillo he brought his uh his whole rig with the timbales and the congos and wow uh, all that stuff. And then, uh, you know, of course I brought my guitar and my, my normal guitar amp. Jordan actually had to pare it down a little bit. He still brought out his Leslie, but you know, Jordan usually plays a Hammond 
uh, a 101 and in this case he actually brought out a um it's a it's a hammond keyboard actually that um it sounds surprisingly good jordan's got a, a preamp that he puts it through and then he puts it through a leslie so still you know when you when you put it through that many tubes it still has a really nice warm analog sound mm-hmm. uh, but so much less room than you know the full organ so it wasn't really an option to to bring the full rig out for for jordan yeah that's tough do they have to lift up the do the uh the piano crane for you guys or was it already up in the wall um so the piano was not on the stage when we got there okay it was already up in the wall behind the drums yeah that's a that's a fun thing to watch happen we've had to have that happen a couple of times and uh man it's that piano that piano goes through so much abuse from day to day it's like they're constantly having to change strings and stuff one time i was playing there with with dan mills and our piano player adam was playing so hard on this one particular song the thing was open so it's facing basically you know he the player is facing the drums and he was like he was playing so hard on this one particular song a string snapped on the piano oh. and went like and hit the red wall behind hit like the whatever you know wall behind me and it left a mark and imprint right behind my head in the drums and during the song we're both looking at each other like with our eyes wide open like you almost died or lost an eye it was like it was really really bananas it was crazy but uh yeah rockwood good stories good fun at rockwood you know brandy carlisle played a, a full set when she was famous there yeah, no, no, I didn't know that. Yeah, I think there's actually a recording of it. They they set up a whole other front of house with their sound with her sound guy and stuff, and like um, like right in front of the stairs when you enter the enter the venue, and they they had a full show, and it's like I'm pretty sure you can watch it on YouTube. It's it's unbelievable. Cool. Let's check that out. Yeah, it's great. What do you uh What are you playing these days for your guitars? You, you I mean, you got. You got good stuff, dude. You got really good, cool stuff. <laughs> I mean, I love old guitars, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm, I keep it pretty simple, though. I mean, I, I love Gibson Les Pauls. Um, I've got two of those, and I've got a old Gibson ES-335, and I've got a ES-345, so i got two ES guitars. And I would say those four definitely see the majority of the time. Um, once in a while, I mean, I, I used to almost – primarily play stratocasters and i still have two really nice old killer strats um but i've sort of moved away from playing a strat on a regular basis it's more um more of a rarity to to see me with that these days but um yeah just basically those gibsons and then just recently i picked up a uh a new guitar i picked up a prs and um i played that a little bit recently and that's that's fun too but you know nothing compares to the old gibsons in my opinion yeah is there something is there something specific about them that um that draws you to them yeah everything about them really <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> I've, uh i'm a i'm a pretty big vintage guitar nerd you know it's i don't know it's it's everything from just the resonance of the old wood you know i mean just when you play these guitars acoustically they're just loud right and strong yeah. sounding uh much more so than any than any new instruments that i've played um but it doesn't end there, you know. It's like there's there's magic in the in the old you know PAFs or the 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 um, patent number pickups, you know. I mean, um, I've I've even experimented a little bit with some some newer pickups in the same guitar, and it just doesn't sound the same. 
Mm. I find um, the old humbuckers just have so much more clarity to them than a lot of the new stuff. Um, sometimes, you know, people can get this thing in their head that Les Pauls are like this, this huge sounding, maybe somewhat muddy, uh, just thick sounding guitar, which, you know, Hey, there's a time and place for everything that can, that can certainly work for some styles of music. But what I found is, you know, sometimes like the best Les Pauls that are old, they almost have qualities about them that are similar to tellies, you know, they, they just mm. cut and they're not piercing in a, in like that kind of cutting way, but they're just, um, they're not chunky. They're, they're not woofy. They're just kind of right. And mm. I think it has a lot to do with the combination of the old wood and the resonance that you get from that. And then also something about those old pickups, you know, it's just, um, there's so much clarity in some of the neck positions and in some of the humbuckers, you know, in these Gibson guitars that you, you could hear it on a recording and maybe question whether it was even a single coil sometimes. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, you kind of described it there in a way that I haven't heard described before. And, um, that's, that's really interesting. And it's also interesting to hear your opinion on like the PRS and stuff. Um, I'll get back to that a little bit, but it's interesting. Like, when you hear Joe Bonamassa or somebody like that play those vintage Gibsons, they're usually like going straight into the amp, right? Yeah. Um, a lot of times he was, he really simplified his rig there for a little while. I mean, he, he got really into the old Fender tweed amps and yeah. I think it was maybe like a wah pedal and like a tube screamer type of thing, you know, for a little extra gain. But yeah, for the most part, it was turning those amps up real loud. Yeah. And, and, and the, and like the, um, the Derek trucks thing, like a lot of his, his stuff, he's kind of riding the volume knob on that. Is, do you have any kind of opinions on like those techniques? Like I know nothing about those techniques. I'm all, I'm always like, Oh yeah, they just put a pedal on and that's how they, they do that thing. But so much of it, I know these days is, is in the fingers, is in the, the, the type of pick that they're using, how they're, how much they're driving the amp, uh, things like that. Yeah, it's a really interesting topic. I mean, it, usually guitar players fall into one of two categories, you know, sort of using an amplifier as like a, a clean pedal platform, if you will, and then, you know, sort of gain staging different, you know, overdrives and distortions and effects, you know, to sort of get the different uh, levels of saturation and gain, or kind of what you just described with Derek, you know, just kind of having a more simplified old school um, method of just going real like straight into the amp, right? And then just manipulating the guitar volume. Um, and you know, there's certainly, certainly no right or wrong way. I, I find that for me, because I'm also a singer, it's a lot easier for me to take the, the pedal platform, um, like the, the clean platform approach versus just going straight into the amp. I think if I was only a guitar player and didn't have to worry about, um, you know, singing at the same time, I, I might, um, do the other way a little bit more often. Right. Um, which that makes sense. Done back in the 60s and the 70s, right? That was, that's the way people played. The other thing is difficult about playing like that, though. I mean, Derek Trucks can get away with basically being as loud as he wants, right, on any given stage. But yeah, these, like there's a lot of pressure to, um, you know, play out of smaller amps and, and not be too loud in a lot of these clubs. And, um, you know, that's fine, but it becomes definitely a harder thing to do the, to say, yeah, I'm just going to go straight into my amp and crank it because all rooms are different and you know in, in maybe one room that's going to work but in the next room you're going to be blowing people away when you're on that when you finally get your tone on you know right. eight <laughs> yeah yeah turn it up to 11 
<laughs> yeah, there's yeah, that I mean that's interesting because, you know, using Joe Bonamassa as an example again, it's like it's easy for him to be like, I'm just gonna wail on this amp, you know, this this because he's in a he's playing in sheds and amphitheaters and theaters and like you know he can afford to do that he probably has like baffles up around around the amps and around the drums to separate everything so they they can get the sound that they want but um yeah i mean that's it's so hard it's so and especially if you're playing like revolution hall you're it, it, is it a it's a brunch thing it's a during the day thing while people are eating or people are drinking is that kind of the vibe yeah yeah, exactly. I mean, there's food there, there's drinks there. I mean, in the summertime, or as long as the weather's nice, we'll be playing outside, so volume's not really as much of a an issue. But yeah, when we play inside, mindful. So yeah, I'm not going to bring my uh, my my '69 Marshall Plexi in for that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That'd be imagine to be like, whoa, all right, maybe two and a half years was enough. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I've been playing a, uh, a solo acoustic gig up in Needham every Wednesday, and the weather's been bad every, and it's supposed to be outside, it's supposed to be on a patio. And I'm more of a singer than I am a guitar player, obviously, I mean, you know, you know, my skill set and everything, but it's like, um, it's it's been so hard to play inside on rainy days in this little place because I rely on the percussiveness of the acoustic guitar i rely on my voice projecting to kind of get the tone that i like out of my voice and not sounding thin you know i want to sound like the best version of me and i'm constantly like the managers coming by and 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 like saying hey it sounds great but can't just come down just a little you know it's like it's like fuck and then you know yeah, and then and I don't even have an electric rig or anything. I'm not wailing. I'm playing. Oh, my dad's calling me. I'm playing. Uh, um, you know, chords, open chords. You know, some some other things, but it's really not anything complicated. But I'm constantly getting the. Can you turn this down? <laughs> it sucks. Yeah, I hate that. Um. So, what else? Do you guys have any other like? It's cool. Explain to me the Boston music scene, like how you feel about the Boston music scene. I have opinions about it, but I think you guys have kind of, um, in talking to you now, I'm realizing more that you have just such a serious, um, love and passion for just, for just the music and putting out the music itself and all the other stuff is like a, a like a, a side thing, you know, and is less important to you, which I think is really cool. And it's, and it's odd. It's like surprising to me, um, to, I guess it's not surprising to me because you're like, you know, a serious musician and like care so much about the music and the music that you write and stuff. And, um, what other, what do you think about the Boston music scene and other musicians? Cause I think that's, kind of like a common thread they do a lot of the same places and they work on a lot of the same things um and it's a lot of the same people but um i feel like you guys stand out a little bit from that because you're more you're more um wanting to branch out and spread your your original music to more people and do more things with that so I'm just curious of your opinion on that and the, and the music yeah. scene and where you guys and where you guys sit in it. 
Yeah, that's a good question. Um, so, I mean, number one, I mean, we're so fortunate to live in a in a city um, or close to a city, right, with so much talent like Boston. I mean, there's so many incredible musicians, um, and it's it's almost easy to take that for granted without even meaning to. Um, but all you got to do is travel around a little bit, and then you can just realize, like, wow, like there's just so many talented musicians in Boston, and I do think. A lot of that stems from, you know, just the educational institutions that we have right here in Boston between Berkeley and conservatories, right? Um, and historically, I mean, it's just been a really important place for music of, of, of all genres, right? Um, but, I mean, Boston is a guitar-playing kind of town, right? I yeah. mean, it has to have been massively influenced by Berkeley School of Music. I mean, just, just all the incredible guitar players who have come through there, but... Um, so with that, I mean, obviously comes a lot of competition, but with competition, everybody, I mean, I always kind of look at music as, you know, if you're competing against somebody else, I think you're looking at it the wrong way. I mean, I always try to think of it as I'm competing with myself to, to get better. And I think as long as you look through that lens, um, you know, you should, you should welcome the fact that there's so many other killer players around because ultimately they're going to, to, to push you to be better as well. Um, so I can definitely say that's been the case for myself. You know, I've had the 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 pleasure and the opportunity of of studying with uh, some really great guitar players, playing next to some really great guitar players. Um, you know, maybe not even like formally studying with with a number of them, but just trading ideas. You know, uh, in a more casual setting. So I mean, I think um, you know, I'm I'm very fortunate that I've had all those opportunities. Um, and it doesn't end with just guitar players, of course. I mean, there's just so many great musicians in Boston. Um, yeah. On any given night of the week, you can go out and see some really fantastic music. I do think that where we try to differentiate as a band in the Gravel Project is just definitely emphasizing the original music. Um, and not that there's anything wrong with playing, you know, other people's music, right? We do some of that sometimes, too. We, we will play songs by some of our favorite artists, but... Um, at the end of the day, the most important thing for us is writing and releasing original music. And um, there's certainly other bands who who do that in, in Boston as well. But I don't know that there's really any other bands that I'm aware of in the Boston scene who do it within the sort of the genre that we're doing it. Right. And there's there's room for so many different styles and uh, approaches to music. Um, but I think that we kind of have a little bit of a... Um, a little bit of a niche with our sound that other people have sort of described to me as really sort of like encapsulating a lot of the spirit that existed with like a lot of the, uh, like the seventies, like blues rock, psychedelic rock stuff. Right. So, mm -hmm. I mean, we, we naturally get comparisons a lot with, uh, bands like Santana and the Allman brothers. Cause we have the B3 organ. We've got, you know, percussion and drums. We've got, you know, me playing, you know, Gibson Les Paul and you know, there's a lot of blues and soul in our music. So I think naturally people who, who enjoyed, um, Allman Brothers, Santana, you know, stuff like that. I mean, um, appreciate what we're doing. And the other thing that, that I'd really try to focus on is, is somebody who, you know, writes songs. I mean, I'm a pretty critical bastard of myself when <laughs> with, with writing and, um, you know, maybe if I wasn't so critical, I'd have even more songs out there. But usually by the time a song gets out there, it's because I'm like, wow, all right, I, I like it, you know, and it, um, maybe I shouldn't be so hard on myself. But the point of me saying that is we really put a lot of uh, thought and emphasis into having good songs. Yeah. Uh, 
not just about you know let's put out as much music as possible and i mean we do a lot of jamming and improvisation within our music but i think it's really important to have really strong songs yeah i mean my my opinion about that and and when it comes with the Boston music scene is like if you if you're emphasizing and you're right there's nothing wrong with playing covers and making your own and stuff I've done it plenty you know I do it and um and what I think putting an emphasis on original music does is it it affords you and it gives you the opportunity to uh connect with an audience any audience that you're in front of or whether or whether they're listening to your recording or whether you're there um because they're they're listening to something that was written by you straight from your you know that comes straight from your mouth from your point of view um and your opinions and whatever your views and like that's how you relate to an audience and i think that is why bands become successful and that's why they they start from one point and then get to another point is because because of that ability to put themselves out there and to potentially relate and connect with with an audience so i think that's like a huge a huge feather in your cap to be be doing that and and you're right it does put you in a different in a different place other than you know and i you know i don't want i hate calling this out or whatever but like you're not just playing you're not just doing your your tuesday night you know in cambridge you're not just doing your sunday morning you're not just doing that because you're putting yourself out there and you're actually connecting with people that have similar experiences or, or have similar opinions so yeah no i appreciate that yeah absolutely um it's awesome. I, I love I love Boston music. It's great. It, like you know, some of the best, some of the best. I I agree with you. Some of the best players are up there, and it's awesome. It's great. No um, one more question: Is it super hard? For, has it been super hard for you to play and sing at the same time? And I ask you in particular because, like, you play intricate stuff. Like you, you're you're a real fucking guitar player. So it's like to sing and play guitar at the same time is very difficult. And especially if you're doing intricate stuff, lines, runs, whatever, and things that you're playing along with, with um, Jordan on the, on the keys and stuff. Like, do you have to like really break it down um, when you're practicing it? Or is it something that comes naturally when you're writing it, um, writing the song? Um, I've been doing it so long that I think that it almost comes naturally to some extent, but yeah. certainly there'll be some things that we'll come up with that are maybe more syncopated or, or just a little bit more challenging to, to, to kind of split your brain in half with and, and think about, you know, I get a comp like this while singing, right? S- some things yeah. are harder. Um, I actually think that, you know, playing guitar while singing kind of makes my singing phrasing a little tighter and, it just becomes one thing. Um, and I think that's really just as a result, as I said, of just, uh, you know, there's never been a time when I was only a singer. I've always been, I started playing guitar when I was 13 years old. And um, I started singing shortly after that because nobody else wanted to sing. And I was like, well, I guess I got to do it. So <laughs> you know, it's so long- funny how often, how often you hear that is like, well, I guess nobody's going to sing. So I'm the one, <laughs> I have to be the one. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah. So- 
No, it's uh, it, it feels pretty natural to me at this point for the for the most part. Yeah, nice. Do you and Jordan have some kind of like sixth sense brotherly, uh, you know, stuff when you guys are were playing together, or is there nothing like that? Yeah, I mean, we've been playing music together for so long um, that definitely there's a little bit of ESP going on. Um, you know, Jordan knows a lot of the times where I want to take things when we get into these sort of open-ended improvisational ideas. And um, I've been playing with Dave Fox for so long, too, that uh, I feel like Dave is in on that ESP now, too. The three of us as a core really just, um, you know, we listen to each other a lot, and I think we can anticipate where we all want to go, and we all kind of shape things together. So um, I love playing music with with both of those guys and, of, of course, Eggie Castrillo as well. So um yeah it's a lot of fun nice what do you guys have coming up as far as shows other than uh revolution hall like you guys down in askew again anytime soon do new york again or what do you have coming up uh, next thing we've got coming up is we're playing at that uh the levitate rexicana uh taqueria down in marshfield um they call it like the levitate backyard okay shows a lot of great bands uh, come through there. I actually have never been to the venue, but I've heard so many great things about it. And I want to say it was um, one, of, one of the big radio stations in Boston rated the maybe the six best outdoor music venues in Massachusetts at the beginning of the season. Hmm. Uh, I think the Xfinity Center was on there, right? Like you know, oh, okay. huge. Also, this Levitate Backyard made it. So um, it gave it a little bit of a buzz. So we're going to be playing there on the 29th of June. It's a Thursday night. 6 to 9 p.m. That's our next show that uh, we're really looking forward to. Great. And then, let's see. After that, we're going to be playing um, a couple shows in New Hampshire in July. We're going to be playing, uh, actually doing the side stage for the Dave Matthews Band at the uh, oh. Bank of Pavilion on July 11th. The Bank of uh, America Pavilion? Great. Bank of New Hampshire Pavilion. Bank of uh, New Hampshire Pavilion. Yes. Uh, so that's in Guilford, the old Meadowbrook, they used to call it. Mm-hmm. And then we're playing a really cool venue July 15th up in Mount Washington Valley. It's called the Theater in the Woods. Um, it's probably the most beautiful place I've ever played at. Mountains in the back, just a really nice big stage and great seating. Um, so we got that coming up. And then uh, we'll be back at the Lizard Lounge on July 28th in Cambridge, Mass. So yeah, rock it. Coming up soon. That's awesome, dude. Um, what uh, do you got, Do you do all your own booking? Uh, so I don't do it all anymore, actually. I'm very pleased to say that. So um, one of my good is uh, has a lot of music industry experience, and he has uh, graciously started helping with a lot of the booking. That's great. That takes a big load off, especially when you're trying to be creative. <laughs> yeah. But welcome to it. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, man. Well, th- this was great. It was good to catch up with you and hear what's going on, um, you know, short and sweet here. So, um, yeah, enjoy your time up in New Hampshire. And I hope to see you soon, man. I, I really got to come out to a show and hear you guys play. It's been so long. It's been so long since I've seen anybody from up there. So, Man, it'll be great to see you. And uh, thanks again for having me on your show. And great to talk to you as always. Thanks, man. All right. See ya. All right. See you, Jesse. That is it. That's my conversation with Andrew Gravel. Remember, they'll be at Askew in Providence at 8 p.m. this Saturday, the 18th. Go check them out. They'll be in Worcester on, I believe, uh, November 22nd. And then they'll be up in Arlington, Massachusetts on December 31st, which is a Sunday and is New Year's Eve. Again, we have merch 
We have merchandise after the gig pod.com sweatshirts. It's getting cold, not cold at all today. But if you like hoodies, we got the most comfortable hoodies in the game. So check them out. Check out the T-shirts. There's mugs. I have my morning coffee and my after the gig mug every single morning. And I love it. It's the best mug I've ever owned. See you guys soon. Enjoy the music. 